0: From South Bend, Indiana, in the shadows of the Golden Dome, Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports bring you Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values, why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's time to get you caught up on all things Irish. Here's John Brock and Angelo DiCarlo. It's the bye week, an opportunity to sit back and enjoy yourself on this Saturday without having to stress about whether Notre Dame football will come away with a win or not. Of course, Who can go a Saturday in football season without a little bit of their Notre Dame football fix? And that's why we're here for you this morning. After starting the season 0-2, the Irish enter an early bye week, coming off two straight wins, giving us an opportunity to sit back and evaluate where things stand one-third of the way through the season. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Angele DiCarlo, so glad to be with you once again this morning. Joined, as always, by John Brock and John, last Saturday, the first time all year, year Irish fans probably felt really good about their team's performance on that Saturday sure there was the win over Cal two weeks ago but that was down to the wire and that probably gave some people some uh, cardiac trouble Uh, last week was a lot smoother and more comfortable especially after the opening drive and something many Irish fans needed to see to feel good about this team's chances perhaps for the rest of the season
1: Yeah, I think last week we finally saw the Notre Dame team that we had been expecting from the preseason, all the hype around the team, and all the great players that we're supposed to have, and and we finally see things come together, an offensive line performing, uh, everyone just fitting into their place and and really getting a full performance. We saw glimpses of of good performances against Ohio State. Of course, Marshall threw everything uh, the whole season out of whack, but last week, I think that's what this Notre Dame team was expected to be, and if they can continue to build on that, it looks very good for the future.
0: All right, on tap on this morning's show, our featured interview, a playback of our conversation with Lou Holtz from 2019. If you haven't heard it, you won't want to miss it. If you have heard it so good, you'll want to hear it again. It's the story of Lou Holtz's life through the lens of faith. That's coming up later in the show. Next segment, we'll break down every Notre Dame position and give our grades position by position through the first four games. I found doing the grades for the defense to be really difficult. To, we've done this every year, a uh, couple times a year, and I found this was by far the hardest one to do, especially for the defensive side of the ball. The offense was a lot easier and not in a good way. This segment, we'll look at the rest of the Irish schedule and break down how we think the Irish will do the rest of this season. But let's start with Some housekeeping notes. Next on the schedule for Notre Dame, a date with BYU in Las Vegas. Next Saturday night, it will be the Shamrock Series game. Notre Dame technically the home team, but obviously it will be in BYU's backyard. The Irish were on the bye this week, but the players didn't get the whole week off. Marcus Freeman said last week the Irish would practice a number of times this week because they needed to get better. He had indicated maybe three, four times. What do you think, John? Good idea or bad idea for the Irish to be
1: practicing that much this week? I think it's a great idea. I think uh, a issue with this team so far has been a little bit of complacency. You know, they come out against Ohio State, they lose. And I think they were still thinking, you know, we lost to Ohio State, but it was close. We're a great team. And I think getting them out of practice saying, hey, we're not taking the week off. We're not losing any time. I don't think they're going to be out there, you know, going 100 percent full speed all the he time. He said they would go injured. hard. He said we got to play them hard. I think I think they're going to play hard, but but still, it's it's a bye week. I think if they do it right, it could be a really great thing. Of course, you don't want to see anything happen over the bye week where someone gets injured in practice. I
0: I kind of worry that maybe some of the issues with this team was that they practice too hard.
1: I don't think so. No? No, if you're watching what's happening on the field on Saturday and you're watching a a team, if you practice too hard, eventually when you're losing to Marshall, you'll wake up and you'll start playing. Hard. Well, and they But I what think, about
0: the breakdowns in the fourth quarter from the defense? I'm wondering if they're a little
1: gassed. That's I. That's all. That's all. Uh, I don't think you could be gassed on Saturday from from practices over the summer. You, if you're not playing, over the summer, the week
0: of during the week. Of, but even if you're
1: practicing too hard, your stamina will be. I I just completely disagree. I'm just worried <laughs> that if
0: this was a bye week like it normally is, October 15th, October 22nd, you would take a good chunk of time off because. The guys need the rest. They're not going to get that later on. So you almost have to give them something now, and they still will. I'm sure they're pretty much having the whole weekend off. Um, but unless they're still having the Sunday practice, I'm not sure the <laughs> the weird way they, they do things. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll all know next week, right? It's true. There's always the famous case of the way they – whatever they did the week of the Michigan game a few years ago, just whatever they did that week, do the opposite. Because that was the worst <laughs> – yeah. Performance. We were both there for that yeah, one. Yeah, we that were. Was, that was a bad that was, one. That was, it was bad rainy, one. bad yeah, performance all around. Yeah, that was just all around. Let's, let's not think about that one anymore. <laughs> all right, some injury updates. Tight end Kevin Bauman is out for the season with a torn ACL. Suffered in practice. That was before <laughs> the UNC game. Safety DJ Brown left the UNC game with a hamstring injury. Coach Freeman didn't sound too concerned post-game. When the Irish with the Irish having the bye, basically the extra week, uh, probably he thinks he's going to be back in time. Tight end Mitch Evans could be back soon. He was originally set to be the number two tight end behind Michael Mayer, so that's uh, that that could be good news. I just don't know if he's going to be ready for the BYU game or if it's something that he'll just eventually work in. Uh, this team's identity, you got to feel for it.
1: I think. No, you're still bouncing around. I mean, you look at the first couple games, you think the Ohio State game, you think one thing, the next couple you think another, and then you see him beat UNC easily. So you're, I, I think we might even need two or three more games to kind of figure that out.
0: My segue was so awkward, but that's how awkward we feel about yeah. the team's identity. It's very hard to say. Uh, Marcus Freeman was kind of asked about it after the game in terms of in the trenches – uh what they saw against North Carolina here's what Marcus Freeman had to say after the North Carolina game
2: it's what you hope Notre Dame football is going to be about right is that you're going to have an old line that can run the ball and you know even if a team knows we're going to run the ball to be able to get we're not saying to get 10 yards and those were those were added bonuses today those big plays but to be able to run the ball at will for four or five yards that's something that you have to be able to do especially with our current roster and um, again, they did a really good job. And that's a group in particular, as you see, from game one to game four has really, really gotten better. And as I've said earlier in the year, it's a group that's really young other than J-Pat and Mark. You know, those two freshman tackles are still figuring it out, right? They didn't play a whole bunch last year. Um, you know, and have Zeke in there, it's – they're gelling. you are gelling. They're doing a good job.
0: Yeah, this is where things get hard because is the offensive line getting better? Or is it false hope because you just played a horrific defense in North Carolina?
1: I think we can hope that it was, uh, they're getting better. Yes, you can hope, but is it false hope? I think, yeah, I think it's a, a problem right now is that it's a combination of those factors is why they played well. I think they are getting better. And I think they wouldn't have been able to put up that many points, even against a bad USC team, or UNC team, excuse me. If they put up that many they, points against yeah, USC team, we'll be, be feeling pretty good. But uh, I think they also started to play better, and that showed, in addition to, they were facing a, a little bit worse of a team.
0: What was the biggest positives you felt coming out of the North Carolina game?
1: I think just how smooth the offense looked. I They they hadn't played well together and put together all four quarters, yet at all. I mean, there was mis- there was much fewer mistakes. I think is the thing. And then of course the the defense held the the UNC offense, which had been scoring a lot. Of course, against not necessarily the best opponents, but the defense looked smooth. But we'd seen that somewhat before. It was really the offense, especially with Drew Pine in, finally looking like it clicked.
0: I mean, we're almost ten minutes into our show and. That was the first time we mentioned the name Drew Pine. He was 24 of 34 for 289 yards and three touchdowns. Look, again, it's North Carolina's defense. But if anybody needed the confidence builder, it's Pine because that guy had no confidence in the first half against Cal. Two weeks ago, so now he gets a little confidence. He started getting that in the second half against Cal, and then he gets that. And now he's he's feeling better about things. So that's huge because you need your quarterback feeling good about himself, and you know those numbers that that looked like a different guy from the first half uh, against. Against Cal that we saw in the game against North Carolina, no question.
1: Well, and i you, I want to think that it's a, a situation of growth for him because you look at it; he only has one interception on the season. And that's when he got thrown in against Marshall. So, you yeah, you should then. you you should be set up as a backup. But you know that one; it's an iffy one. And then you want to give a mulligan on that one. Maybe saying? he gets a maybe he gets a mulligan on that one. Maybe, but he's other than that, he's forty four for sixty three. I mean, he's playing pretty well, almost seventy percent. Uh, after that, and if he keeps yeah, building, it helps like, when you're throwing five-yard passes. That's true, but but she threw the ball working.
0: downfield last week, so yeah. we'll give him that. I mean that uh, that touchdown pass to Lorenzo Styles. Yes. I mean we we couldn't see it on the broadcast, but that's beside <laughs> the point. <laughs> ESPN completely or ABC completely missed that one. Uh, all right, let's let's do our 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 favorite poll question: yeah. How many wins does Notre Dame end up with? We did this before the Marshall game. Uh, 8 or less wins only got 7% of the vote. 9 wins got 23%. 10 wins got 39%. 11 wins got 31%. Obviously, 11 wins is not possible in the regular season. Before Cal, after the Marshall loss, 7 or less had 38%. 8 wins had 42%. So 80% had said 8 or less. Before North Carolina, 75% said 8 or less. Then after North Carolina, now 59% saying eight or less your nine wins jumping up to 25 percent 10 wins up to 16 percent a little bit more confidence from the fan base and we felt like this North Carolina game was the one right you win that one now you feel like you can beat some teams you lose that one you're like man who are you going to beat? there's a different kind of feel in that regard
1: well and I think that's The fans feeling that way, but I think if they lose that game, the team starts feeling that way, and it it makes it worse for the rest of the season. I think to win nine or, say, even possibly ten games the rest of the season, uh, obviously you needed not just a win against UNC, but a convincing win, and that's what they they showed us on Saturday.
0: All right, uh, let's look at the schedule the rest of the way. They've got three top 25 teams left, and the next one will be against BYU on October 8th. Then it's Stanford at Notre Dame Stadium on the 15th. They're only 1-2. UNLV's 3-1, and one, but they're not good. Uh, Syracuse, my alma mater, is actually surprisingly decent so far. They'll bomb eventually, probably by the time Notre Dame comes to town. But 4-0 with wins over Louisville, Purdue, and Virginia. That's actually not as easy as it looked originally. November 5th, clearly, uh, hosting Clemson, who's ranked 5th. They play NC State today, so that's a top-10 matchup. We'll see about that. Navy on November 12th shouldn't be an issue at all at, at, in Baltimore. November 19th, Boston College is 1-3. However, it's Phil Dracovic's return to Notre Dame Stadium. That's the one you never know what can happen game. And, again, if you lose to Marshall, you can lose to Boston College. And then November 26th at USC, who's ranked 6th in the country. They're 4-0. They haven't really played anyone, so we'll kind of find more out about USC here in the coming weeks. Uh, looking at this, what's your... What's your guarantee? Nothing's guaranteed. What's your? <laughs> I feel very confident they're winning games.
1: I feel very confident that Stanford mm-hmm. and probably UNLV at home, mm-hmm. and then I think Navy is a, a pretty safe bet too.
0: So you're you are the the Syracuse
1: game. You're a little. Concerned I think about? the Syracuse game. We'll see based on what Syracuse what happens looks like. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the next and then, couple weeks, and
0: then the Boston College one—just one of those.
1: Anything can happen. I, to... Well, in even Boston College, just the team itself in Notre Dame history, you can right, never right. look at that one, and I I will never look at that one and say that's that, a guaranteed one for
0: fans in the Michigan area. It's like a Saint Joe Marion yeah. game in any sport. You just—it doesn't matter. You throw the records out, and you just never know. And there's always weird things that can happen,
1: especially with Phil. On the on Phil Drakovic on the re- other side returning. Yeah.
0: All right, BYU, Clemson, USC, the three top twenty-five teams left in the standing. How are how much more confident are you in Notre Dame's chances in
1: each of those games? I think Notre Dame will get one of those for sure. I don't, but if, only if, one. I think there's a possibility they get two. There's a very low chance they get three in my mind. I personally, I said at the start of the season, nine and three. I think that. Is still a likely situation. I think the most likely situation is eight and four, and they they drop, uh, they drop those games are the ones they drop. I I just
0: don't know what to make of USC yet. I almost wonder if they by the time Notre Dame plays them, they're not a top twenty five team. You know, it's like one of those things. BYU in hindsight may end up being a tougher opponent than USC. Yeah. I I just don't know. It, it could turn out USC is actually really good. But until they face a couple teams, it's hard. I think Clemson's legit again. Um, Maybe not as Clemson like they've been. But again, we'll find out today, right? They're facing number 10, NC State. So have a better feel for them.
1: Well, and I think we found out a little bit. Last week, even too, when they went into overtime against Wake Forest. Well,
0: Wake Forest, those top twenty-five, top twenty-five. Team. Yeah, no, but I'm they're saying Wake Forest. They're- I mean, it depends on your perspective. Some people hear Wake Forest and they go, "Yeah, yeah. it's Wake Forest." But top twenty-five they're team. team. Um, all right, so you're thinking back into the nine and, nine and three, eight and four range, basically.
1: Yes, I think. Yeah, I think. If you're really confident in that UNC performance, yeah, I'm say still, nine and three. But if I'm you're still not, the, I'm still in the
0: eight and four eight range. And four is more there's likely. just too many.
1: I'm just hoping my original guess is gonna yeah gonna yeah be yeah. There. <laughs> there's
0: there's just too many issues yeah. on this team that we're gonna talk about coming up in a few moments. Irish Sports Saturdays is partially underrated by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, serving the Notre Dame family for over 80 years. The Notre Dame FCU mobile app is like having a branch of your fingertips, 24 seven. You raise share values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Coming up, a replay of our 2019 Focus on Faith interview with Lou Holtz. You won't want to miss. And up next, we're breaking down Notre Dame position by position with our first trimester grade report. What are we, Northwestern trimesters? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays is back right after this on Redeemer Radio and Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tire Rack. Tire Act also underrates our internship program with students from our two Michiana Catholic High Schools, St. Joseph and Marion. The students receive practical college-level internship experience and class credit as they help out with our broadcast of high school football and basketball. More tires, great prices. Tyrac.com. Angel DiCarlo, John Brock back with you here as it is our bi-week edition of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame is 2-2 two and two on the season. They'll face BYU next Saturday. They are off today because of the bye, So it gives us an opportunity four games into the season to look at each position and see how the team is doing and give our grades position by position. We did do a couple poll questions about the defensive and offensive position groups and We asked which Irish defensive position group has played the best so far. Not a ton of votes in this one, but defensive line won it with 44%. The cornerbacks got 37%. Linebackers 15%. And the safeties only got 4%. John, uh, were you surprised at all by that vote? Or what are your thoughts there? Do you you agree with what people said?
1: I am surprised because I think, you know, defensive line, they were expected to be good. And they've been good-ish. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're the best. I Yeah, and so I think that one surprises me a little bit that they had such an overwhelming victory. Corners, they've been better than expected, which I think is boosting their percentage. Linebackers, I think that's just a little bit of disrespect. They haven't been a wow factor no, for this gonna defense. We're going to disagree on that one. Our, these grades been, coming up are going to be good. They've because- been a consistent you know, tackling leader and, and they're,
0: they're very consistent at getting uh, targeting. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> JD Bertrand will be out again next week for the first half. I think that was a bad call, but that's beside the point. he still got it. Um, all right. So we, we, it sounds like we are in a little disagreement on some of those in different ways. We both disagree with the poll. We just disagree for ways. for different purposes. <laughs> um, I thought the corner should be higher than they should. They've been the top performing unit and I'm surprised the safeties are, are as so low, low as they are. Yeah. Um, Offensive position group we asked uh, has disappointed the most. Quarterbacks got twenty five percent. Running backs two percent. Offensive line twenty nine percent. Wide receivers forty four percent. Thoughts?
1: I I mean I think the running backs I agree two percent. That's yeah yeah yeah. yeah. They've been the I, best I of think those. offensive line I think would be most receiving votes. Wide receivers haven't been great. They haven't been good, but. I think we they've just been we almost expected enough.
0: them to be bad. That's the one of things yeah, they said. Which one has right. disappointed you the right. most? I would say it would be the offensive line or maybe the quarterbacks. I mean, I mean what are
1: the?
0: I mean, eh, I mean, all right. Let's just go through it. We're going to go position <laughs> by position, and let's start with the offensive line. What grade are you in this offensive line through four games?
1: I'm going to give them a C minus. Okay, Why? they they've been. Really bad at times, especially the Marshall game, yeah. but last week, of course, we can't really fully judge it, but I think they recovered some, and I think they're they're definitely not the A, B-plus range that they're supposed to be in, yeah. but I don't know that they quite warrant a, a D after a redeeming performance, even if it was against UNC.
0: Yeah, and they were better maybe against Cal. They started running the football a little bit better, so... I'm going with a C because I'm not going to totally say they played horribly against Ohio State. They weren't good, but it was Ohio State, so you like kind of grade that one on a curve. Obviously, the Marshall one just that's the one that throws everything off, right? And you know what? You deserve a bad grade if you lose to Marshall, and that's what a lot of a lot of these grades are going to be bad because you lost to Marshall. And, and
1: yeah, that's, if you take the Marshall game out well, in any respect, you're, you're looking at a Notre Dame team that's probably still in the top fifteen. They might be in the top, <laughs> top ten. Top ten, possibly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Be, it, it, trust me, a lot is different on these grades if, if you, you end up a finding game. a way. And so let's go to the running backs. What do you got?
1: I've got an A- minus for the running wow. backs. Wow! I think they you. – I'm grading it on a curve in respect. You can't hold them account for the offensive line being a C-. C- and you can't hold them accountable for the coaching, not necessarily putting them in the position. Listen, I C-. wrote
0: that note down. You can't be stealing my lines. <laughs>
1: It's it, we're both on the same page about the coaching, but yeah, I'm. The running gonna... backs have I. I think when you see Tyree get involved, he's yeah. been fantastic. That was coaching not getting him involved. I think yes, obviously. I think you I, look if I you go that. back and watch some of the plays, and you look at Estime working his way to the outside. If his hole was there, he'd be 15, 20 yards downfield, and he still finds a way to get five to ten yards on a lot of the plays. Okay, you are fixated on North Carolina game and this is no, where I'm talking no, no, no I'm no, the, no. the runs
0: I'm no referencing. no no you are <laughs> fixated on North Carolina and you are gonna start to get some rude awakenings coming up in the next couple no. weeks my the friend. funny
1: thing is the the two to three yeah. runs I'm referencing from estimate okay. were from the Cal game and the Ohio State game yeah listen listen
0: they're a B and that's that's the bottom line <laughs> they're the best performing unit on offense well not really tight ends we'll get there uh they're a B though they're a B all right, quarterbacks.
1: What do you got? I've got a C for the quarterbacks, and it's tough to judge them because two different ones, two different quarterbacks, and Drew Pine, very different. I mean, you got Buckner against Ohio State, and he did all right, and I think that boosts it, but then he gets hurt and he throws a pick against. They both throw a pick against Marshall, and then now they they both kind of have a an opposite curve with a downfall in the late fourth quarter of a uh, Marshall. So I'm gonna have to say that. Yeah, I mean, down.
0: Buckner's legs were the best thing Notre Dame
1: had yes. against Marshall, but
0: he threw a pick six that put the game away. Yeah. So Cancels that's out. that's it. That's it. No, it doesn't cancel out. That makes it worse Yeah, because you lost to Marshall. Again, we're going to say that. You lost to Marshall. Pine almost cost them the game against Cal. I mean, he couldn't have played worse through the first quarter and a half. I'm not sure. I mean, that was miserable um, outside of throwing a pick six. Uh so yeah I'm going to go with a C minus uh for the quarterbacks just they just have not been good they're below average wide receivers
1: I think wide receivers is a D I think they haven't been good at all uh but they've done almost enough almost enough to get a C because they it's they they're making a C they're dropping they're dropping passes a C they're, but they what they're doing is sometimes they're getting Michael F. Mayer open
0: F I gave him a D. I gave him a D. Fail. Fail. Disaster. Horrible. I think that's They are who we thought they were. Terrible.
1: I think we thought they were terrible, and they are just bad. No, they're not good. They're bad. They're
0: they're very bad. They're not terrible. They're They're a failure. If the wide receivers were good, the quarterbacks would look better. True. I mean, if the wide receivers were good, Tyler Buckner might not be injured. Because he might not have to run the ball so much against Marshall. Wide receivers, they stink. They get an F, as expected. (laughs) Tight ends, I'm giving him an A. Michael Mayer, you're (laughs) so good. We love you. Um, The only thing keeping him from getting an A-plus is they just haven't had that second tight end to utilize in that regard. And now Kevin Bauman's out. So I think just the depth factor behind Mayer is the only reason I wouldn't give him an A-plus. But I'll give him an A.
1: I, I'll give him an A as well. I don't think there's anything to complain about from the tight end position other than, as you mentioned, depth. They they It'd be great if they had another tight end, especially someone close to Michael Mayer's level, but they just don't have it. But he's been the high point of that offense. All right,
0: let's go to the defense, which, I again, I say has been difficult to figure out. What do you got on the defensive line?
1: I See, this is grading on that curve again, expecting Isaiah Foskey coming back to be great and a lot of their other guys, Adam Dola coming in and – it's not been great. I mean, uh, they've been okay, but I expected Fosky to probably be one of the leading tacklers on the team, and he's not even in the top five. So I'm gonna have to give them a C plus. Um, you know what? You said Jason
0: anamiola and I had to look all the way down.
1: Justin is seven
0: spots ahead of him. Yeah, uh, Jason is all the way down on ta- total tackles. Yeah. What'd you say? What'd you give him?
1: I give him a C plus because I was expecting Fosky and maybe wow. a, another couple of the guys to be in the top five, top yeah, ten I'm... tacklers. Wow. And they weren't they I mean, you got Howard Cross at the second best tackler on the team. And other than that, I mean Fosky's sixth and you go down the list as you just said. They're they're all down towards the bottom, man. Yeah, and- but it's that— not-
0: I mean, defensive line is not all about tackles. I mean, well,
1: I, they haven't been. I don't think they've been doing fantastic, with the exception of Howard Cross. He's been playing yeah. a lot better than expected. All right, the
0: rest of them have been playing a lot worse than expected. I I went with B plus. obviously I think they did rev- very well against Ohio State. Um, they're you know, well, maybe not. They they were solid against Ohio State. Obviously, they stunk. Everyone stunk against Marshall. That's the bottom line. But North Carolina's a really good team, and. I think they were okay. I'm going with B+. They might have been the best performing team so far on the on that side. I don't know. Again, I, I can't figure out the defensive grades. Yeah. So I met that from the beginning. Some people are yelling at me probably. Tweet at me. Add on to Carlo. You can voice
1: your complaints. Linebackers, what do you got? I've got a B plus for the linebackers. No. I think I, I think you look at it the linebacker Jack no. Kaiser, leading tackler, you got JD Bertrand, and I know you're targeting penalties. You've got an issue with it. But he but he hasn't played and he's still ranked above Isaiah Foskey on the tackling list. So I, I think the linebackers, they haven't had a wow factor, but they've been a constant force on the defense. they I think they're more the reason that uh UNC was held back, that Ohio State was felt held back was the linebackers as much, if not more, than the defensive line. Disappointment. B-minus. (laughs) B-minus. I was considering giving them an A-minus. I barely got onto the B-plus because of the penalties with J.D. Bertrand and and all that, but they've been playing well, and they've been a constant on this Notre Dame team that doesn't have very many constants. All right, we got to fly now. Secondary, what do you got? I've got a B on the secondary. They haven't given me anything bad, but they haven't really – Done anything amazing?
0: I'll go B plus. Tariq bracey has been the best player on the team,
1: maybe. Right? He's been very good. I. It's just you know I don't. They haven't had anything amazing.
0: I mean, they just played North Carolina with Josh Downs. They face. They face he's Ohio still, State. He, yeah, I mean, how, how much better of wide receivers you want to face yeah. in in the first four games? B plus, I give them. Special uh, teams. What do you got?
1: I've got special teams at a B plus. I think. The only downfall is is the coverage, the yeah. kickoff coverage, because the punting and has been fantastic. Kicking, the kicking's been okay.
0: Okay, has it been above? Has it been B plus level? Kicking?
1: I think uh, maybe the kickoffs, maybe, but I think their their field goal, their PAT, yeah, their the field goal's been yeah. That's what I mean. No, yeah. it's been fine. Yeah, it's been all right, and I think the punting pulls it up to a, from, yeah, a, punting, from a B minus to a B plus. John Sod is, is. is
0: the team MVP. <laughs> yeah. The problem games, is he's out
1: okay? doing it so often. Well,
0: I mean you don't want him to punt <laughs> yeah. that much. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going with a B minus. Mainly the the return units. It's if bad. the return units were better, they may have beat Ohio State. But yeah. It's as simple as that. That average field position uh was Atrocious. Atrocious in the first game. Coaching.
1: I've got a D plus on coaching. Ooh. It's been it's been rough. I don't know I obviously I, I haven't been at any of the practices during the regular season. I don't know no that okay. exactly. I don't know that that Freeman's doing enough at practices, and then I don't think the play calling from Tommy. It's gotten better, but it was bad from the start.
0: Yeah, I'll go C minus. They just didn't push the right buttons when they needed to in the first two games. If they pushed the right buttons, they may have come. They pushed the exact wrong buttons. It felt like at times, and um, I'll go C minus. But I can't argue with you by saying D plus. We're in the same range overall.
1: I'm gonna give them a C plus. I think Ooh. I think they're an I think they are an average Notre Dame team right now, and I think C C plus is is right where you put them. I think that their their offense showed a lot better against you UNC. If you, they didn't, I'll tell you what. If they didn't have that UNC game, they're lower. But you you can't lose to
0: Marshall and be a C plus.
1: I you I I think it, I'm C judging minus. them
0: in terms C of minus. everything else. I think they're throwing C the
1: flag on you, John. Ah, uh, we're oh my gosh. You don't know you don't know at all, that's all I have to say.
0: Well, that's definitely true. (laughs) We all know I don't know anything, actually. All right. Irish Sports Saturdays is partially underrated by Indiana Physical Therapy, serving Indiana's physical therapy needs since 1988, with 21 locations. Indiana Physical Therapy continues as independent therapist-owned company with a heart towards patient-focused care. Indiana physical therapy, where people go to get better. Focus on faith with Lou Holtz. Coming up next. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money. And when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit Notre slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. For Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tony Letcher of Health Markets. Tony is a parishioner at Quinnipiac Catholic Church in Mishawaka and a licensed insurance agent. His services include Medicare, family, or individual health insurance or life insurance. His number is 855 776 2438. His website is TLetcher.com. And welcome back here on this bi-week edition of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. I'm Angel DiCarlo. It's time now for our Focus on Faith interview segment, and we wanted to play back one of our favorites from over the years, from the man who led the Irish to the 1988 National Championship, Lou Holtz. I interviewed Lou back in 2019 here on Irish Sports Saturdays. Just an awesome interview. It was after the release of his book, Three Rules for Living a Good Life. So we talked a good chunk about that, certainly a lot about his faith and his courtship and marriage to his wife of nearly 60 years, Beth Holtz. At the time of our interview, Beth was still alive but struggling health-wise. She would pass away less than a year after we recorded this interview. Our prayers continue to be with the Holtz family in remembrance of Beth. Our conversation with Lou starts with talking about Beth's faith. Here's our Focus on Faith conversation with Lou Holtz from 2019. I know over the years, especially 20 years ago, your your wife, you know, beat stage four cancer. I I was wondering how she was able to get through that and and how much your faith guided you, Beth, and your family through all of that.
2: Uh, I don't know how you get through anything without a faith in God. Uh, My wife is the most religious person I know. And I, I say that to you sincerely. Uh, she and the neighbor would walk every morning, recite Bible verses, and there were two women in the neighborhood who were having some difficulty, and my wife and Dixie, the neighbor, decided to start a Bible study to help these two women, and they had gone through every book in the Bible, et cetera. Uh, and, and when you have faith in God and you pray, that doesn't mean you're going to have problems or difficulties, but it does mean that you're not going to be alone. and that that he's going to guide you. I I cannot begin to tell you that uh, if you have a family, you pray together, we'll stay together. And our greatest accomplishment by far is not coaching, not TV, not speaking. It's my family, and I think we can attribute it all to the strong faith in God, regardless. Win, lose, or draw every Sunday, season, non-season, We would go to mass as a family, then go to breakfast after. And uh, this is a tradition that my son in coaching still maintains with his family.
0: You mentioned her attitude, her positivity, and you spoke in your book so much about staying positive. But during times like that, it's not easy to do so. So how were you and how are you able to stay so positive in your journey through life, Coach?
2: Well, I think the faith in God, and you never think about quitting. Quitting is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. You just try to look at the situation as best you can. You can approach it either not on a Pollyanna, but just that there's going to be a solution to everything we have. And the one thing I do realize, and every listener listening to this show understands, regardless how old you get, you're always going to have problems, you're always going to have difficulties. You're going going to have concerns you're, you're never going to avoid it that's part of life it's not uh you're going to be things that you worry about but it, it's just part of life how you handle it having the faith and being positive in how you approach it there's a difference between being positive and being a Pollyanna. Pollyanna a said oh everything's gonna be okay and i don't have to do anything uh i used to say that Pray as so though everything depends upon God. Work as though everything depends upon you. And you had a sign on my desk. I had a glass top on my desk, and I would put these sayings under it. One of them said, God, give me the courage to change the things I can. That's ready to change the things I can't. May God give me the wisdom to know the difference between the two. You, it's your choice. You have every 200,000 words of English vocabulary. The most important word by far is the word choice. And every day you get up, you, you've got to make different choices. And you can choose to act and procrastinate, believe or doubt, prayer, curse, uh, cetera. But the main choice you make every single day is the attitude and how you're going to approach the problems and difficulties that the day is going to present.
0: This is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. I'm Angel DiCarlo. You're listening to an encore presentation of my interview with the legendary former football coach of the Fighting Irish, Lou Holtz, from 2019. Our focus on faith conversation, recapping his book, Three Rules for Living a Good Life. In that book, you, you spoke about being born in the Depression and having, uh, you know, living in a small home, only owning one pair of pants, but yet you described it as being born with a silver spoon. Not many people would describe that type of upbringing in that way. What, what made you decide to describe it that way?
2: Well, I, I do not uh, exaggerate uh, the poorness of our family. My father had a third grade education. And I was born during the Depression, January 6th, 1937. And we I was born in a cellar by Dr. McGraw. I was not born in a hospital. And we had one bedroom for my sister, myself, and my parents. We had a kitchen and a half bath. And a half bath did not have a tub, a shower, or a sink. There was no welfare, no food stamps, no safety net. We lived there for seven and a half years. And the reason I was born with this over spoon in my mouth was because what I was taught. Number one, I was born in this country. I was taught that if I learned to make good choices, not blame other people, get an education, work hard, and remain positive, then good things could happen. The reason I say forth as fourth is overspooned, not because of what we had, because we had very very little, but because of what I was taught. And the most important thing I was taught was how to make good choices. And uh, the book you just mentioned, uh, Three Rules, those three rules, if you follow them, you'll always make good choices. It's not complicated. We we complicate life, and we really don't have to. It's just basically common sense, and I don't know why they call it common sense, because it's exhibited so rarely.
0: <laughs> I was fascinated by one of the stories in there that, you know, you had no intentions of of going to college, and it was your high school coach that basically— went to you and your parents and said, no, Lou should go to college and, and become a coach. Can you imagine what your life would have been had you had he not encouraged you to go to college?
2: Well, nobody in our family had ever gone to college, a little graduate. No, I wanted was a job in the mill where everybody worked. I wanted a car, a girl, $5. I'd never had any of them. And I, I worked as well as played athletics and I was saving my money to buy a 1949 Chevrolet. And at the end of my junior year, my high school coach, Wade Watts, came up and told my parents that they thought I should go to college and be a coach. I'd never even thought about it before. And my parents thought, boy, that'd be a great idea. And I said, no, I, I'm not going to go. I have no desire to go. And they said I would go, and I said I won, so we compromised, and I went. <laughs> that was a typical compromise with my parents, and they maybe used the money. I'd saved about 49 Chevrolet to pay for my college education, which was quite cheap then. I think it was like $180 for uh, a quarter of schooling, and uh, so that's how I ended up later. I'm coaching at Notre Dame and uh, if people remember, I bought a Forty Nine Chevrolet and when I said Notre Dame I had it redone because that was one of my goals. I was going on a Forty Nine Chevrolet. But the amazing thing, we go to place under Cal in eighty six and my high school coach had moved to California and his wife called. Said, Coach Watson's not doing very well and he may not live much longer. Could you give him a call? So I called him. I said, "We're coming out there. Why don't you come to our practice or walk through on Friday?" And he came, and I said, "Would you like to go to the game?" He said, "Oh, that'd be great." Can I ride on the bus? I said, as "Long as you do the same rules that you had when I played for you." You sit on the bus and you be quiet. Well, I get on the bus to go to the game, and he's in the front seat with me, where my wife sits. She gets on. She ended up going back to the fourth spot. But in any event, that's when John Carney kicked the field goal at the last second, and we won the game and the first person on the pal on the field was Coach Wade Watts, so the next year I called him, I said, Coach, you've never been to Notre Dame, but you want to send you airplane tickets, come watch Southern Cal Hill. For 11 years I was at Notre Dame, he attended every single Notre Dame Southern Cal game as my guest, and about three months after I resigned from Notre Dame, he passed away, but uh, he told my wife, and I didn't tell this, he said, when I said Lou should go to college, you'll be a coach, he said, I, I meant uh, high school. He said, I didn't mean Notre Dame. So <laughs> the, that's how I ended up in coaching. Uh,
0: but then the other wild story you tell was how y- you were about to turn down a, a grad assistant job at Iowa uh, to marry Beth. But then Beth turned you down. So you went off to Iowa, took the job, your coaching career you gets set off, and then you still end up marrying Beth. Can can you you know, wrap your head around how blessed you were to have things work out so well for you that you end up getting the the coaching career
2: and the love of your life? Well, if you want to make God laugh, you tell him what your plans are. But I got to tell you, I went to a Catholic grade school, taught by the nuns, of sister known Dame, and I've always had a very, very strong faith. I mean, at one time, I thought I was going to be a priest, and that's before I found out there were such a thing as girls, but I was going to be a priest, and my mom was so disappointed when I decided not to. But I got out of the Army, and I I, I offered a job. with well, I got a coach by the name of Earl Biederman, up near Cleveland, teaching history and being an assistant football coach. And I was going to get married to Beth. It was around July 9, about 9.30. She told me, she said, She didn't want to get married. She changed her mind. She wanted to date her old boyfriend. Well, by 1030, I had my good friend, Nevis Stockdale. We got my 52 Ford Fairway, drove all night to Iowa to see if I could get the graduate assistantship. The reason I was offered the graduate assistantship, I never applied. They didn't have many then. But my college coach was in the Navy with Forrest Savashevsky, and he called him and said, I'd like to have Lou see a big-time program. So I I go there. I wanted to get as far away as I could, and that's when Nevitt made a great observation. I'll never forget the trip. He said, Beth and I had a love-hate relationship. I loved her. She hated me. But I get to Iowa. We get to graduate assistantship. We finish second in the country. Bob Duffy, the local sports uh, writer wrote up every week, like I was a hero of it. And Beth worked at the as so that's X-ray right technician, my mother worked there. And she kept saying, have Luke called me? And I said, no, and I, I never called her, but she called me and that's when women did not call men. then. you never called a man, she called, one to come visit. I said, no, I'm too busy. She started crying. I said, someday we we'll, might we'll get married, you never know. And she said, July 22nd. And that was 58 years ago, we're still married.
0: Unbelievable. What a, what an incredible story and what an incredible marriage you guys have had. This is an encore presentation of our Focus on Faith interview with the legendary former football coach of the Fighting Irish, Lou Holtz, from 2019 on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You spoke in your, in your book uh, about the one regret you had while coaching at Notre Dame was that you built the program to a great level and then just maintained it. I, I was curious, what would you have done differently in those later years if you had the chance to go back and, and do it again?
2: I, I, I think I would have been more firm in, in my convictions and in talking to the priest. Uh, I had a great relationship with Father Hesburgh uh, the whole time I was at Notre Dame and long after, and Father Joyce. But they had under made the stipulation. When I went there, there were certain things at Notre Dame that were not negotiable, and you know, that like we didn't take transfers, we didn't redshirt, we didn't have an athletic dorm, we didn't have good football facilities, and they didn't want to improve them because they didn't want somebody to come there for our weight room, they wanted to come there for our chemistry department. We're going to play the most difficult schedule we can find, and that we did. You go look at our schedule every single year, and when uh, Penn State dropped us, who would we pick up? Florida State, which at that time had a... Great program, uh, but the the facilities and, and some things in admissions. Like, like Notre Dame, one goal I had was to recruit every good Catholic high school in the entire country i felt we could build a dynasty but uh the the uh, admissions officer at the time kevin rooney we we had a young man out of uh i don't want to give his name but out of julia catholic another one out of saving nations in cleveland both high school all americans and we could get them in even though they had over 1200 on the college boards and high class rank because uh they were like number 20 in the class, but the other 19 applied to Notre Dame, so they couldn't accept number 20, according to him, and he couldn't turn down the other 19 and accept him just because of his a football player. There were things like that, that 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 really kept us from, you know, I feel, building a great dynasty, but you also get to the point where where you just try to maintain. You know, you, I was on my third athletic director, and that's always a difficult relationship, uh, I love Gene Corrigan, and and to this day, uh, Dick Rosenthal is one of the best friends I have. But it just kind of should have just continued to say we we need to build better facilities, we need to do different things, et cetera. But I never wanted to disrupt Notre Dame because this is what Notre Dame stood for. remembered it under Father Esberg, et cetera, they changed presidents. They always have different philosophies, et cetera. But uh, we we could have – I look back on it, and if I went back into coaching now, which I would never do, but I'd be a better coach than I've ever been before because I think I'd be more patient, but I'd have higher standards. I, I, I wouldn't get emotional, but I would demand excellence in everything we do.
0: The great Lou Holtz, our guest back in 2019 on our Focus on Faith interview. This is an encore presentation of that conversation here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame has not won a national championship since you led the Irish to one in 1988. You know, there are some people out there that are starting to think at this point, maybe the Irish will never win another national title. What do you think,
2: Coach? Nonsense. So there's no reason Notre Dame should not win a national championship. Yeah, we won it in 88, but I want to tell you, uh, you look at 89, you look at 90, you look at 93, uh, and we 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 could have easily been awarded it, and I wish then it would have had the ability to determine on the field uh, rather than uh, in the news media by somebody voting, et cetera. But Notre Dame, uh, they just have so much going. The facilities now. Are absolutely second to none. I I mean, in addition to that, you can sign an athlete in the summer. You bring them up there in the summer when it's beautiful. We could not bring an athlete to campus till we had his second six weeks grade. His senior year, we couldn't even talk to him. A guarantee that he would be able to come to Notre Dame because they wouldn't rule on it till they had their second six weeks. So, I mean, all, all these things, the schedule is so much easier. You're looking at play five ACC teams. You tell me, everybody, tell me why Notre Dame cannot win it. Wait, will you Give me one example. Now, you can say, well, we have high academic standards. Yes, we do. We're proud of that. And, and maybe we can't recruit 70% of the great football players, but I want to tell you. The other 30% of the great football players that are students also, excellent students, would absolutely want to come to the University of Notre Dame because uh, of the values in the future. They look at it not as four years. They look at it as a 40-year decision in their life. So I I want somebody to tell me one reason why Notre Dame can't win a national championship. Uh, Don't just make a statement. Back it up. And I can't think of a reason that would keep them from winning it.
0: You, you have me convinced for sure coach. I appreciate that. Finally, uh, you know there's a lot of people listening right now that you know maybe the last thing they want to do is, is read a book but you know your book is such a quick read. I'm a slow reader. I finished it in one sitting. W- what's the message you want to put out there to, to anyone listening right now about what it takes to, to live a good life?
2: The, the message is really quite simple. life is nothing better than making good choices. Wherever you are in this world, good or bad, because of the choices you make. Don't tell the athletes you choose to do drugs. Drop out of school. Join a gang. Get tattoos from head to bottom. Get arrested. Run with the wrong people. You're choosing to have difficulty in life. And please stop blaming me for the choices you make. Wherever you are and every listener, whatever happens because of your choices, not somebody else's. And the way you always make good choices is by following three rules. Number one, you do what's right. Never right time, do the wrong thing. Never wrong time, do the right thing. Rule number two, you do everything the very best of your ability. Not because somebody's looking or going to applaud you or pay you. You do it because that's the way you live. You can pay people to perform. You can't pay them to excel. There has to be something deep down inside of You make that choice. I want to be the best I can be. Not everybody be all American. Not everybody be all conference. Everybody can be the best they're capable of being. And the third rule is show people you care. you never go meet anybody again. It doesn't need a smile, a kind word, a encouragement. Why do we have to wait for somebody's funeral before people say good things about them? And you follow those three rules. You build a trust with people. You build a commitment to excellence. And you build a relationship. And... If you build love in an organization, you don't run a team. It can't be beat. There's no way possible. So, those three rules enable you to make good choices. And you're right. I mean, it's a simple little read. You don't need a dictionary. There are no big words because I don't know any big words. But I, it is basically common sense.
0: Well, Coach, uh, I appreciate that you you cared enough to to spend some time this morning with us. Uh, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Go Irish.
0: That was the great Lou Holtz, our conversation with the legendary former Irish football coach from 2019, one of our favorite Focus on Faith interviews, and we wanted to share that with you again this week, because those lessons and advice, well, they're timeless. You can pick up a copy of his book, Three Three Rules for Living a Good Life, from Ave Maria Press, or it's readily available on places like Amazon. That will do it for this week's edition of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU where you bank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, Zach Smith for John Brock. I'm Angel DiCarlo, Notre Dame on the buy today. So enjoy the rest of the college football action from this week. We will of course be back with you next Saturday at 9am Eastern, 8am Central here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays to preview Notre Dame's clash with BYU in Las Vegas. We close our show. In prayer
1: hi this is father nate wills i'm a holy cross priest a faculty member at notre dame's alliance for catholic education and one of the chaplains to the notre dame football team this is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pre-game mass let us pray grant we beseech you o lord our god that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body and by the glorious intercession of mary our lady May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish!
0: This has been a presentation of Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This is Dr. Tom McGovern inviting you to join me and my co-hosts, Dr. Andrew Mullally and Dr. Chris Stroud for Dr. Doctor, airing Fridays at noon right here on Redeemer Radio. Together, we bring a Catholic perspective to medical issues with a focus on
2: the dignity of the human person, body and soul. Don't miss a dose of Dr. Doctor Fridays at noon or listen anytime at spokesdrink.com slash doctor.